Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, August 25th, 2022. Are you ready to see something beautiful today? I mean, think of beautiful things that take your breath away sometimes, like seeing uh, an amazing sunset in, in the late summer sky or uh, going up into the mountains or the forests of uh, Idaho and coming around some corner on the road where you're presented with this amazing view. All of that is going to compare, it's going to pale in comparison to what you see in Romans chapter 3 today as we behold a passage that uh, just up there with any other passage in the Bible presents the beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. And let's remind ourselves of how we've got here. Paul is building a case. It's like he's a lawyer making an argument and he wants to proclaim the gospel. Going back to chapter one, he talks about the gospel. He talks about how he's not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. But now he's really building his case to explain what the gospel is and will really reach kind of the climax of that case at the end of this chapter. And he's making the argument that everyone needs a savior. And we saw that in chapter one, as he talks about just the lostness of the world and how the world is going downhill out of control. And the wrath of God is being revealed against this pagan world in which we live. And then chapter two looked at those who think of themselves as religious. And in his context, specifically at many who thought because of their Jewish heritage and because they knew the law and because they were circumcised, that they were better off. And he's saying, no, don't you do the same things that the pagans do? Uh, and, and in chapter three, we'll see the, the culmination of that argument. Let's walk Walk through chapter three until we get to that climactic moment towards the end of the chapter. Um, at the beginning, he says, then what advantage has the Jew or what value is circumcision? And he says, hey, there is value in that. What well, one is to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God, right? The, the scriptures at that point had come to the Jewish people. That's, that's a good thing. And so that's where even where in the last chapter, he's saying, hey, just because you know the law, um, that doesn't mean that somehow you're better than everyone else. That does not mean that it's not a good thing to know the law. It's, it's a great thing. It's a privilege to have the oracles of God entrusted to you as had been to the Jewish people. But then Paul gets into some things that you will encounter as you share the gospel. Um, verse five, but if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? And, and that's where you'll, you'll come across people who push back with that thought today as you share the gospel. Wait, so you're telling me God's in control and he's going to punish us for wickedness, even though that was all a part of his plan? That's not right. And, and Paul's anticipating that argument. And he's saying, you can see there in the parentheses at the end of verse five, I speak in a human way. He's kind of dismissing that argument. That's a human way of thinking. Uh, in verse six, he says, by no means for then, how could God judge the world? You no, know, God will judge the world and he will judge the world rightly. So 
we are not off the hook for our unrighteousness, even though if it, even if it is a part of God's plan, uh, we are responsible for our uh, unrighteousness, and that may stretch our human minds. And Paul is going to uh, go more deeply into that argument later in the book of Romans, and then in chapter eight, he expects another uh, objection and says, why not do evil that good may come? Uh, You know, he'll address this more in depth later too, but the idea, hey, if you're really preaching this gospel of justification by faith, well, can't we just use that as a license for sin? If if I'm not saved by works, why not just go sin? Uh, Because God's going to use it for good, right? And he's saying, one, Nobody that's actually preaching the gospel is suggesting that. The end of the verse is some people slanderously charge us with saying, well, we're not teaching that. And you'll see why later in the book. And he's saying their condemnation is just. So he addresses those arguments briefly here. He'll address them uh, in more detail later in the book. But now we really get to what Paul has been building towards in verse nine. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all Both Jews and Greeks are under sin. Both the pagan Greeks and the religious Jews, we are all under sin. And then he quotes all of these verses to show us there is no one righteous, not one. No one seeks God. Just describing the universally lost condition of humanity. And in verse 19, it says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. That's just a drop the mic moment. Boom. Everybody is held accountable, the whole world, and nobody, not one human being will be justified uh, through their own efforts, through the works of the law. It's just not possible. It's not going to happen. So he's made his argument, hey, you are all guilty, guilty. Uh, That's what you all are. That's what we all are. But thankfully, Verse 21 begins with this word, but we are all lost. We are all without hope on our own, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So there he lays out the gospel in a beautiful, beautiful way saying, hey, we are on our own without hope, but 
God has revealed a righteousness, not a righteousness that we can earn through the law, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's available to everyone because we we are all condemned. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, but we all have this offer of grace through Jesus Christ through faith. And how does that work? Well, God put Jesus forward as a propitiation. That's the idea of an atoning sacrifice that he took our place on the cross. And that was so God, he is just and the justifier. He's a just judge. He's not just letting sin go unpunished. He's though punishing Jesus Christ instead of those who believe in him. So he is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. Folks, this is the gospel. You are lost. You are in sin. There is no way for you on your own to get out of it or to make up for it or to justify yourself. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ. He lived the perfect life and he died as a propitiation, an atoning sacrifice for your sin. And you receive that gift of grace through faith in Jesus Christ, through transferring your trust from yourself and from your own way to Jesus Christ and his perfection and his sacrifice for you. That is the gospel. And that's a beautiful thing. And I hope you're refreshed in that today. And one practical effect, as you see, is the end of the chapter that should humble all of us. There is no room for boasting amongst Christians. Because every single one of us fell short of the glory of God. And every single one of us, the only claim we have is this gift of grace in Christ Jesus. That's it. So there should be no boasting. There should be deep gratitude. And I would even encourage you, you know, as you read this today, I think of some of the songs that... um, Make you think of the grace of God. Maybe it's an old hymn like Amazing Grace. Maybe it's a more modern chorus. And and sing that song to yourself or go listen to that song that emphasizes the grace of God and worship God today for this gift of grace in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We are seeing beautiful things today in Romans chapter 3. Let's turn our attention now to the Old Testament, where today we're looking at 2 Chronicles 14 through 16. And yesterday in Kings, we briefly saw an account of King Asa, one of the kings of Judah. But in Chronicles, which remember, Chronicles only follows the kings of Judah, we get a much more in-depth account. And what you see is Asa is a good king. He brings about religious reform and, and they throw away idols and they seek, they make a covenant together to seek the Lord. But you do see in chapter 16, Asa, he doesn't seem to finish as strong as he started, even though he's he's honored in death. So I don't think it he ever completely just abandons his faith in the Lord. But we do see him do some things toward the end um, that, that aren't as strong as where he started. And one lesson I hope we take from that is let's remember we must put our 
our trust in God. And you have kind of these two conflicting stories, these two times when enemies come to attack the kingdom of Judah under the leadership of King Asa. The first is when this uh, army comes under Zerah the Ethiopian in chapter 14, and it describes it as an army of a million men and 300 chariots. And as they go out to battle, Asa and Chapter 14, verse 11, cries out to God and says, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. And God delivers right? And it's an amazing example of trust in God. And you are probably not being faced by an army of a million men today, but but there might be some situation in your life where that's what you feel like. You, You feel like there is this You just feel like you're outnumbered, you're outmatched, you're in some trial where you just feel like, how in the world am I gonna do this? Cry out to God in the words of King Asa today, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak and rely on God. And then we see in chapter 16, not as good of an example where the king of Israel, he comes to build up these cities to really intimidate and kind of infringe upon the territory of Judah. And here Asa, instead of seeking the Lord, he goes and he seeks help from the king of Syria who lives in Damascus, who does end up helping him. But this prophet uh, comes to Asa in verse seven and says, because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord, your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. And then he reminds him, hey, don't you remember the Ethiopians? And don't you remember lying on God and how he, he helped you then? And then listen to this in verse nine of chapter 16, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have war. So he rebukes him, but there's that amazing line that God is, he's looking all over the earth and he's looking for those whose hearts are blameless so that he can give strong support to them. Again, do you feel surrounded today? One of the most important things we want to do is, hey, I want to seek the Lord in integrity. I want to make sure my heart is blameless. And then I want to rely on the Lord knowing that God is looking all over the world to give strong support to people that are seeking him with a whole and pure heart. I hope that's an encouragement to you, whatever you may be facing, that we can rely on God. So instead of seeking help just from other places, may first and foremost, we seek help from the Lord. And may our hearts be pure and undefiled in seeking him. And let's learn that lesson from King Asa. So some amazing lessons, Romans 3, the beauty of the gospel, really important lessons about trusting God from King Asa. I hope those build us up today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.